Today is a little bit of an unusual Sunday. Not really rare because it happens every six or seven years depending on where leap year falls. Um, yeah, today the NFL has a full schedule <laughs> on Christmas Eve because that's the date of the calendar, right? December 24th. And it may just be a coincidence, but I don't think it is, um, that today is also the fourth Sunday of Advent. The fourth Sunday of Advent this year falls on Christmas Eve. And so um, if you came to this service expecting a Christmas Eve service, sorry about that. But, I mean, if we think about it, Advent it's kind of beautiful, really, that Advent sort of bleeds into Christmas Eve this year. Um, it, rather than having a, st a strict delineation, oh, Advent was last week, now it's Christmas Eve, um, we have this sort of this combined celebration today. Um, and, and I think that that it sort of reflects our experience of time anyway, right? Um, there are very few... Uh, sharp delineations in our life. Um, most everything sort of flows into the next moment. So we're going to lean into the fourth Advent here today. Um, so Advent, what a beautiful season, right? It's a time of anticipation. It's a time of preparation. Um, it's a time of waiting, waiting for this amazing gift that we're going to be given after this service. I don't know for sure when Advent ends and Christmas starts. Is it after this service? I guess it is. Or was it after the 8 o'clock service? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. You get my gist. It's a kind of a mixed up day, which is really beautiful. So let's review where we've been in the, four, the three previous Sundays of Advent. In the first Sunday of Advent, we heard Jesus telling his friends and his followers, stay awake, stay awake, because sometimes we, we fall asleep. Sometimes we aren't aware, observing what is really happening around us. So Jesus says, stay awake. And then in the second Sunday of Advent, John the baptizer appears out of the wilderness. Just all of a sudden, there he is. And he comes to tell the people his message is a message of repentance. Repentance, turn around, do better. Then last week, third Sunday of Advent, we heard the beautiful song, of Mary, the Magnificat, right? And um, I think that our Mary preached such a beautiful sermon. I mean, as near to a perfect sermon as I think I've ever heard um, on the Magnificat and um, sort of folded in today's reading also, the arrival of Gabriel, um, to tell Mary what was about to happen. Um, it was so beautiful that I'm not going to add anything to that, except 
I would like to just talk for a moment about what Mary's sermon evoked in me. And what it evoked in me was this really strong feeling that being favored by God, as Mary was, is not such an easy thing. It's a joyous thing. It's an amazing thing. And very rarely is being favored by God an easy thing. Mary fully embraced it. And then imagine what Mary had to go through at the foot of the cross. So being favored by God is wonderful and never easy. And God knows this. Because God created us. He, God created us fully human, fully complicated, conflicted at times, able to experience great joy and great sorrow. God knows that, and God loves us through that. That's the message of Advent for me. That's the message I heard this year anyway, is that we are in preparation for the arrival of Jesus, we are to fully embrace our humanity with all of the contradictions that come along with it, with all of the complications that come along with being alive and being fully human. Those first two, or the first three um, Sundays of Advent were, were sort of a, a gaze forward, right? Um, here comes... John the Baptist. Here comes Angel Gabriel. Here comes Jesus. Today I want to focus on this interesting little clip from the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel. So we're going to look backwards now, back to King David. King David. Wow. What a guy. If if humanity is complex and complicated, David fully embodies that aspect of our humanity. Prior to this little reading that we hear, hear today, David has been, was born in Bethlehem, was chosen by God to lead the, Is the Israelites, was, became a great king, went to war, went to battle, fought all of his neighbors, fought, his, fought the neighboring tribes and nations, created a country out of the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom, and brought the ark to Jerusalem. Now that was a big deal. The ark was elsewhere. It was in a town whose name I can't pronounce. Probably could, but I, frankly I don't remember. And the, the, so the ark was not in Jerusalem. And David went and brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And there's this glorious scene there where David is like dancing in the streets in front of the ark because he's so full of joy. He's half naked. 
He's dancing the ark into Jerusalem. It was scandalous, but it was a good thing because the ark was in the holy city. So that happened right before the reading that we have today. He's been at war, he's brought the ark back, and finally he has a chance to relax. And he's kicked back in the family room of his palace, which is built out of cedar. He's kicked back and he has a brilliant idea. Hmm, let's see, I've got this glorious home, this mansion, and God is living in a tent. The tabernacle was a tent, and that's where the ark was held. And that was what, where God was believed to reside. So David says, I, I think, and he says this to Nathan, his friend who was also a prophet. He says to Nathan, I got a great idea. I'm going to build a house for God. And Nathan was like, right on, David. Go ahead and do it. God must be on your side. Look at all, this, look at all these great victories you've had. Yeah, do it. God's with you. Then Nathan goes home, and God speaks directly to Nathan that night and says, nope, don't need a house. Have never needed a house. Perfectly happy in a tent. And I love that because it's one of my happy places in a tent. So tell David not to build me a house, but I'm going to go one better for David. I am going to create for David the house of David. And we all know what that means. The house of David is the lineage of David who will go on to reign over Judah for the next 350 years and whose lineage we trace Jesus to. David says, okay, sounds like a deal to me. I won't build the house, but I will take the favor of God. And God gives him his favor. What happens next? David goes back to war. Goes back to war for about three chapters, four chapters of 2 Samuel. Then what does David do? Anybody know what David does? Well, he spies Bathsheba taking a bath on her roof and decides to steal her from her husband, Uriah. Plots and executes on the murder of her husband, Uriah, and things go downhill from there. And at the same time, God never removes God's blessing, God's favor from David. I find that very interesting. I find that very hopeful. Actually, if we think about the two, um, the mother of Jesus in Mary, who 
as far as we know from the Gospels, really never did anything wrong. She was strong, she was brave, she was willing. And then this ancient ancestor of Jesus, David, who I don't want to say he never did anything right, but he sure did plenty of things wrong. Both of these people find God's favor, are, are given God's favor. And I find that very hopeful because I think that those two characters, if we kind of mash them together, are a beautiful expression of humanity, of the good that we are all capable of, of the evil that we are all capable of, of the faithfulness of the betrayal. None of us have to look very far back into our lineage to find a hero and to find a villain, especially with Ancestry.com. That makes it a whole lot easier. But you get my point. Humanity, our, our genetic memory contains both heroes and villains, and God's love has never been withheld from us. That is the beautiful message of Fourth Advent to me. Um, so I guess Fourth Advent is over. Merry Christmas. <laughs>